Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you something, people. As you're listening today, I actually, I just turned 50. It's my 50th birthday party. Uh, birthday, not birthday party. And it's funny because a few years ago when I turned, 10 years ago when I turned 40, I was actually, I told everyone I was turning 40, but I was actually turning 41. And my friends gave me a party and they got me a, a Cooper Eagles jersey, number 40. And like three years later, they found out I had lied and they were all pissed at me. And they're like, dude, man, you can't wear that jersey. So I'm turning 50. I'm happy with it. And uh, the lovely Joanne has moved out now. Uh, so she's not moved out. When I say it, people go, oh, I'm sorry. I go, no, she's moved in. And um, so yeah, so she's out here. We're going to celebrate my birthday. Uh, going to go out for some drinks and just have a little fun. And she has a birthday present that I actually I wanted to go downstairs and look in her trunk last night when she was asleep, but I said I can't. But because it's my birthday and because it's her first week in California, I got her. I have two back to back guests today that are from characters she's loved. In the second hour, we'll have a. Uh, Kate Flannery, who was in The Office, who played Meredith, and she loved that show. And my first guest today, she loved him in uh, on ER, and he, and, I mean, not ER, 24. I keep saying ER, and he just he was just talking to her about cooking, because he has a great cooking line. He's got a great career. And we have uh, Louis Lombardi. Now, do you like Louis or Louis? Ah, uh, Louis's good. Okay, so how you doing, Louis? I'm doing great. I'm glad you could I'm come on. Great. Wait, first of all, let's stop and give props to the rookie from coming out here from uh, Jersey to the first week in L.A. I know. See, wow, that's, I give a props for that. Welcome to L.A. But you know, it's funny. Last year, <laughs> last year when she came out, and it was her birthday was in September last year, and she wanted to get a surfing lesson, and she couldn't get the surfing lesson because we got it, but the waves were too choppy. Oh, wait, she's already Hollywood. She's I know. Surfing I, I, know, I know. Oh, she'll be through, sipping a chai latte tea in Venice she does. now. She with a little does. beanie cap on, and <laughs> <laughs> she she came out. She came. She came out last year, and it was awful because Hurricane Sandy was going on, and she she had to cut her flight delayed. But it felt bad. Because you know, I'm reading on Facebook like all these people that were losing property and stuff like that, and I'm sitting in Malibu on the beach watching her surf, and I'm like, "This is why we live in California, right? This is why I'm out of Jersey, right?" Exactly. Now you grew up in the Bronx, right? I grew up in the Bronx, yeah. Now, did you always think you'd be an actor? I mean, yeah, you're yeah, Italian, you know so you grew up with the cooking, but did you always yeah. think? You know, I always, I've been, go, I've been doing movie stuff since I'm 14. I have headshots and everything still from those days, and I never wanted to do anything else. You know, there was nothing I ever said, "Hey, I want to do." Since I'm 14, so 31 years I've been doing this, you know, and it's like I've never wanted to do anything else besides, if, you know, growing up it was either I'm going to open up a restaurant, I'm going to be a cook, or I'm going to be an actor, you know, and that's and that was what I did side by side because I love both of them. I, used to, I just, you know, and it turned out that one of them became my career. And the next one looks like it's going to be my career in business, which now, is absolutely great. Now, was acting prevalent in your house? Did people act? No, there no any, one. So you just what, no. what? What made you want to get into acting? I don't know. I mean, what makes people want to be anything they want to be? You know, if you, you do it inside, you know. I, when I was real, when I was really young, I never went to school. You know, I quit school at a young age. Okay. And what I used to do was, my mother would give us three, four, five dollars to go to school. I would jump on the train and go to Parkchester and go to the movies, and I did that my whole growing up. I mean, I'm talking about Jaws, Saturday Night Fever, Rocky. These are the movies. Scarface, you know, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, you know. Animal House, I remember watching a thousand times on, on the HBO box I had in my house with the remember, key yeah. in the lock, remember? <laughs> Bootlegged and stuff, you know. I, I actually just, me and my buddy just watched Animal House a few weeks ago. Oh. And it's still great. It still holds up and it's so funny. You watch it. And even like Jaws. And I'll tell you, Jaws, for me, right. And now that it's around uh, Halloween, I'm going to tell you, I can still watch it. The Exorcist still creeps me out. That just, yeah, I those sit there, are real it's creepy. Icon. You know, and and you know, and, and ever since then, I've always been going to the movies, and I always wanted to, you know, be in the movie business. And like I said, I, I just it's all I've ever done. Sending headshots out to backstage when I was, 
you know, 13, 14, 15. And I got one good movie. It turned out to be a more biggest break of my life. You know, we shot this movie called The Monk's Friends. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Rob no. Weiss. You know Rob Weiss? Yeah, Robert, who did uh, the show that recently got canceled Entourage. on HBO that was a great show, though, too. He oh, did a, Made in America. I love that show. Yeah, well, Rob Weiss and I go back 22 years. We did. A, we did. A, we, we all did the first movie together. He was a director. He now, how did it. you know him? Did you grow up with no, him? Or? I, no, backstage. You know oh, the so magazine? You, yeah, yeah. Back, so now people don't yeah. use it anymore, but back, right. people, if you don't know, back years ago, if you moved to LA or New York, there was a paper called Backstage. It's just like, I tell people, like, back when you had to do comedy gigs, you had to sit there and you have to get the booker's address, and right. you'd have to put you a packet through. together with your picture and a tape, they didn't watch the tapes, where the actors would have to go through and get the, and it's hard enough to find the backstage, you have to go like that, Samuel right. French right, or whatever, right, right. and then, <laughs> I was in New York doing so, it, so I had to go to Manhattan <laughs> to get a backstage, yeah. and I finally, after 10 years, got the guy in my neighborhood to carry them. You know, you got to carry backstage, and, and he ended up selling out because all the guys wanted to be actors then. You know, like That's growing funny. up, yeah. So, but anyway, I mean, and I would go to the movies and it inspired me to be a, to be an actor, and that's all I ever did. And you know, and I, I kind of was like. You know, I had this movie at Sundance in 1993 that we did called Amongst Friends. The mo- Rob Weiss directed it. It was a pretty big hit at Sundance in 93. I left Sun. I drove from the Bronx to L.A., L.A. to Sundance, my first few days. Got an agent, uh, Harry Gold, my first week out here in 93. And, you know, and I haven't, you know, I just... Thank fortunately been working since. You had know? you had you been to LA before you no, came out? No, just took a shot. I mean, let me tell you something. People, people, are, the problem with people is they get in a comfort zone and they'd rather take that minimal life and live it because it's comfortable. No one ever wants to take a change. You know what I'm saying? No one ever. You know, none of my friends even come out here to visit. Oh, you're gonna take you're gonna go all the way to California? I'm like, dude, it's a plane. You're not walking. You're not swimming in a puddle. You know it's, what I'm saying? It's so funny you say that because I've done it because when I, I, I hated flying, but then when I met Joanne, I would fly back and forth I all hate the time. I too. I but but like now it. I get on it. But I always say, I think what we hate about flying is for me, it's not getting on the plane. It's all the prelim, like getting a, the you know, we're going to forget this stuff. We're going to forget that. And it's not like we're flying to a third world country. Right, right. We're flying, I'm flying to New Jersey. She lives Take in your credit card, right. <laughs> and it's true. And so I actually got to a point where because winter and, you know, winter back there is a lot different from winter. In California, I actually had a whole like winter wardrobe. I used like old navy had sweaters on sale. I sat in her place. So all I did was I'd carry my bag onto the airplane. I'd like that's it. And right. I have everything back there. Right. And then I got used to it. And it's true. It's it sucks when you and that's the thing is people when they come should come to visit in LA because when you fly from back east, you lose that three hours. So you can leave at like eight o'clock and right, get here right, at ten. Right. When you go back, it sucks, it's but like, you already came to visit. So it's crazy. Right. And I you know what? I I, I don't I don't really uh go back that much no more you know i kind of love la i like i really like being here you know i really don't you know i don't know i just i just think la is my home now I've been what here, area are you live in uh marina del rey okay you live down near the beach yeah. so you're, you're enjoying it i've been down there the whole 20 years i've been out here you know and like i've been over i've been here as much almost as much as i've been in new york i left new york when i was 25 i'm 20 years i've been here so i'm 45 so it's almost like my life has been half and half now you know and i appreciate it the one thing about la that people that people don't Really, it's hard for them to grasp as the driving, which my first eight years out here, I got out here before navigation systems. Right. And I, they, they would hand me this book called the Thomas, Thomas Guide. She, you know, she just had like, one. She dude, just un- get that away from me. <laughs> they had all the grids and oh. they'd be like 95 pages. Yeah. No, I just want to see a map. I don't want to see yeah, yeah. on Western and Sweetser. I can't what figure that out. Who even knows what Western and Sweetser <laughs> is, dude? I'm from the Bronx. And I would sit down and I, people would go, here, read this book. I'd be like, no, no, I'm not reading no 4,000 page book to get to a store. <laughs> right. You know, I'd be like, what are you kidding me? So, you know, and about, you know, when when Clinton made the navigation, you know, and I hated LA for the first seven years. Plus, I wasn't here fully. 
you know, I would go back to New York for six months, come back here. You know, when you first start out, but I lived here. Right. But I would go back and forth. You know, I worked in Hawaii for a year doing a show. I worked in New York doing a show to Sopranos. So I always kind of like was out of L.A. But the first bunch of years, I hated it with the traffic, with the driving, not knowing where you're going. But, one, you know, I got used to it. Once they hit the navigation, the first thing I bought was a $1,000 old big navigation system. And I put it in my car, and it made L.A. so much easier. Oh, it makes it a lot easier. You and know, now, even, even with the internet now, we can just do map questions. Just go, okay, I want to go here. Internet, and then your the, iPhone, your phone, click. You don't need anything. Uh, yeah, see, I, said, I, I don't like to drive. And with my, I, have a, I use the Google Maps. I don't, I don't like to I can't figure that stuff out. I'm you like, put it on your thing. You push the address in. You push. That's why she on. moved out here, so I can get around. So you can get around. <laughs> <laughs> I see you in a corner crying one day. What happened? My girl's not. Around. <laughs> she broke up with me. I'm stuck. So, uh, if, if people don't know, back in '93, Sundance was a huge, huge thing back then. I mean, it was. Like, I mean, it has a lot more power than it does now. You know what? Sundance. I've been going for this is my 21st year. I'm going. Okay. You know, I've been going every year since Amongst Friends. It is no longer a film festival. It has become a film market for the studios. All right. You know that you go. And I was just explaining this to my friend yesterday. You go. Okay. Yeah, we're going to have screenings of this little independent movie I made. It, it was, it was, it's directed by Martin Scorsese. It stars Brad Pitt. It stars uh, Robert De Niro. It stars Matt Damon. We did this little movie, and we're promoting it at this festival. It's like, dude, if your mom gave you a credit card and you banged it out, that's an independent movie. Right. Don't go up there, because the festivals became a market to promote the studio's movies. All the parties are big parties. All the, all the stuff is big events hosted by big things. When I went there, it was like, you know... Brian Singer did a movie called Public Act. The year I was there, this is the group of filmmakers that came out of there. Brian Singer, Robert Rodriguez, Jennifer Lynch, Rob Weiss, uh, and there was another one, one, one or two more. But that's five major filmmakers right. that came. You name the last filmmaker that came out of Sundance. Yeah, it doesn't name happen them. anymore. You can't. The year before us, it was, it was uh, two years before us, it was Steven Soderbergh. Then it was Ed Burns. Quentin Tarantino. I mean, that was when filmmakers were generate because they look at these little independent films and they were like, wow, these are real movies. Now right. it's like the big studios go in, they buy everything up, they promote the shit out of their movies because why? Because it's free publicity. You, you get at Sundance, there's every outlet's there. You can't buy that press. If you right. had to go buy commercials and buy that airtime and do that, you couldn't. So you send up your big stars, you make them go promote these movies. It's getting around to the world, not just LA. When you do Sundance, everyone you know is interested in what's going on. So it's kind of developed and morphed into a an ugly thing of a festival because it's, it's 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 a great time, it's a great fun thing. The parties are great, but it's no longer a film festival. There's a very handful of people. You, you, when was the last movie distributed from Sundance? It's crazy. It's changed. Yeah. Well, I, I read about you when you were in Sundance and amongst friends. I guess. Um Oliver Stone took notice of you, mm -hmm. and so that's how I. Yeah, that's that now, was my. How did that happen? Did he just see you? He liked you? Did he contact no, what you? Was, weird. This is how you know. You never know. You know. You just got to always keep punching because you never know what's going to come through the door. You know. I uh, I did this movie amongst friends. It was a big hit at the festival. I ended up getting an agent in in, in L.A. like a week or two after. But the director Rob Weiss was my friend, so he's like, "Hey, can you drive me to a meeting? I'm going to meet Oliver Stone." Now, growing up. I grew up in the Bronx, and my my, I, you know, I write and direct too. I've written, directed, and starred two, two films. Yeah, I did two films. Yeah, and you know, my 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 uh, my my style of filmmaking is not going to be like Scorsese, or the, it's going to be more Oliver Stone. Okay, the kind of films I want to make, the kind of the kind of stuff I want to do, It'll be like that real 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 gritty kind of real story kind of stuff, you know, and and. 
I was like, okay. So Rob calls me after Sundance. We're back in LA. He's like, hey, I need a ride to Oliver Stone's office. I'm like, what? Are you kidding? No, I don't have a union card. It's my first week out here. I'm like, holy shit. Okay, yeah. I pick him up. I drive him to Oliver Stone's office in Santa Monica on Main Street. He shared it with Arnold Schwarzenegger. They split offices. It was kind of funny. I walk into Arnold Surreal. It's like, wow. I, the, the, Oliver's talking to Rob and saying, hey, man, you want to direct anything you want. Anything you want to direct, you got it. In my library, go pick it up. But Rob had a deal at Universal at the time. Okay. So he couldn't do it. So I'm sitting there in this meeting now, and uh, Oliver's like, hey, man, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Louie. He's like, ah, I'm kidding with you. He goes, I'm going to put you in my next movie. I'm like, wow, look at this. I'm in a <laughs> There's an idol growing up. This right. is a film. I'm in my first meeting in Hollywood is sitting with Oliver Stone, and he's put me in his next movie. Don't hear nothing back for like six months. I'm like, Hollywood assholes. I finally got my, I'm here one week, I'm bitter. I'm like, I hate everyone in Hollywood. Damn those jackasses. Yeah, fucking liars. They're all liars in Hollywood. It's like, dude, you're jaded within 20 minutes. Six months later, get a, a ticket in the mail. My agent's like, Oliver, no, no. I, actually, a few months afterwards, I get, a, I get a phone call. I don't hear nothing for like three, four months. I get a phone call that's Oliver Stone from to my agent. They're like, you know, Louis in the movie, he wanted him to come up to, to our offices. I go up to the office. I'm sitting there with Woody Harrelson, Tommy Lee Jones, Robert Downey, Juliette Lewis, and there was one more guy rehearsing in a room in Santa Monica, and I'm in there sitting there. I'm like, holy cow, this is like unbelievable. I, my, my attitude changed, as you can tell by right. that. And I was like, wow, I love Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood's the best. These Hollywood guys are great. I love Oliver Stone. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and he's reading all these actors, Mike Starr, Marshall Bell, to pair me up with in these scenes. And it's kind of weird because I'm like reading with guys that I know and I'm friends with. I'm watching movies, and I'm like, holy cow. So I end up, end up is, five minutes Chicago, puts me in Natural Born Killers, puts me as Tommy Lee Jones' deputy in the prison, Flew me back to New York, paid for my union card. Basically, I got it on Natural Born Killers. So it ended up being one of the best experiences of my life, the way to start out, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, it's just and, a- and, and a guy that you've idolized all your life for filming, and he's actually taking care of you. I don't even know you, but he's a fan of your work. It was like surreal. And that's what started out. Once I did that, I ended up getting hired, too, by Ivan Reitman, Tim Burton, John Landis, all like in the next few years after that. Well, I saw you did The Usual Suspects. Now that was directed by Brian. Singer, yeah, but that's right? how I met Brian. No, because I, I thought because you met him. Sundance, that's why. Yeah. Is that why he put you in it? Because he yeah. knew you from Sundance. I went to see this movie, Public Access, at uh, Sundance. You know, and we went and we were kind of friends. You know, like I said, the group of filmmakers, and he was nice to us, and he was cool. And once we left Sundance, a year later, he put us in on Usual Suspects. Yeah, that's, I, I, when I when you said the link, I made that link. Right. Well, now, now TV wise, because I look at your, you have a, a great resume, but Easy Streets. Now, now. Did they, your character was called the Fat Man. Did you say, can you change that? No. <laughs> I'm joking. No. Keep it in. <laughs> How much am I getting paid? Keep yeah. rolling. You know what no, I'm no. Who, who was in that series? Oh, my God. That was that was the Sopranos before its time. Okay. You know you know who made the series, right? No. Paul Haggis. Okay. You oh, yeah, okay. Paul Haggis. Is. Yeah, the, the, yeah, he's a great yeah, director. That was his first show before he hit any. I was like his first. Like I was like, there was Ken Olin, Jason Gedrick, oh, yeah, Gedrick, okay, Kent, yeah, Gedrick. Mike Starr. Oh man, Richard Port now. Yeah, I'm looking at the things. Yeah, I remember. I remember crazy. that series. And Joey and Pants is great. That was the Sopranos before its time. That show was so. Uh, time Magazine had said it was one of the best shows ever made. Wow. At the time, they were they they made CBS canceled it after a few episodes, which they say was the biggest mistake CBS did. It was actually Sopranos, like gritty, edgy, kind of like you know. 
real kind of show about drugs and the underworld before Sopranos was. Now, what was the fat man? Were you a good guy or a bad guy? I was I was one of Joey Pantaleone's bodyguards in okay. the movie, but I was in all the shows because, you know, uh, you know, just a lot of my friends on it ended up fitting the show, my, my character, and they had a bunch of great characters on the show, not just me, like the whole show, every actor on the show was a great actor. You know, they put a great cast together, and I played one of Joey Pan's bodyguards in the strip club we our scenes were. You know, the whole that was our thing, and it was it was a it was a great great show. That was kind of my first show, right? Because it seems like you had done a lot of movies, and this was your first yeah, recurring. That I guess. was my first recurring job. I mean, I couldn't get a TV show, but I I did thirty major mo- great movies. See that, first, that that's not weird. It's like you it know, make I sense. couldn't get a t- I used to go on every pilot audition. I used to go on every nothing. Couldn't get a show for six years from ninety three to what? What year was that? Ninety. Uh, easy says ninety seven, but these things are always off. Yeah, it's probably ninety. So three or four years, I went in L A. I couldn't get one TV job. I did so many movies in that time. Now, what did it? How did it feel? I mean, well, first of all, because you did, you got that break in the beginning with Oliver Stone, which is just—I mean, it's like anyone. Who's friends was really the break. Oh, yeah, but, but Oliver but Stone, that, I, I think, solidified that by, of course, once he hired me, everyone else did. Right. And now, like, oh my God, Oliver Stone hired him for blah blah. And then, you know, at that time, it was really filmmakers making films. Now, did you get frustrated because you're getting all these movie parts, but you can't get a TV show, and you're working with great directors? It's not like you're. Work, it's not like you're working with, uh, you know, like the ABC I, after yeah, school right. family I'm love lucky. thing. I've worked with but, the top best yeah, directors, and you're working with great. And now, did it, did it, did you start getting a little frustrated with the TV going? What the hell? I yeah, because not you know, frustrated, but wondering. You know, like wow, this is this is crazy. I was like, wow, you know, I I mean, I've auditioned a lot. For TV, like back in those days. I mean, a lot of these shows that have been on for 10 years, I auditioned from a lot of those roles. Okay. You know? And you're just sitting around and you're going, geez, what, like, what am I doing wrong? You know? You know, I, I feel movies to me were better for me because I was more of a free kind of actor where I like to go, I like to pump up, I don't like to, you know, I didn't, it wasn't always about following the, the script or following the rules. Okay. Television, everything is about following the script and following the rules from a word, from a word. You know, you could change a word. You're like, stop, do it, change, put that word back that you change. You know, from them to the, it could be simple. You know, it's very, you need, you know, every actor needs his cue, so you can't just go off. In a movie, you could show up, improvise for a half hour, and I'm going to tell you a story about this. This okay. what really catapulted my TV career. You could show up, you could play around, there's no time frame. If it's great, they can keep it in for three, four minutes. If it's bad, they just pull it out. Right, they don't, they don't have that constriction it, going, we right. got Right, okay. if it fits, you could just do anything in a movie. So, you know, I was always like, okay, maybe I was just a little too, because I never went to acting school, I never went to acting class, I never went to film school. My, my The most fortunate thing in my career, I think, was the first 30 movies I did before television, because... That's I learned from the top directors how to direct. Okay, I was on sets with Ivan Reitman, John Landis, Tim Burton, and this was my education of learning how to make movies. You know, getting on these sets and watching everyone and just you know learning everything. I still learn from any I, you know from the last movie I did just now with Clint Eastwood. I I you know I still learn. Uh, 30, 30 something years of doing this, I learn every single time I'm on a set from everyone, you know? It's amazing. Like, I hear, and I've heard Clint Eastwood shoots a movie so fast, and he's like, one of the shoots at one of the quickest times, and he, I heard he does everything in sequence in the movie. It's just amazing that the guy's like 85. I mean, Dude, you sit there and you kick go, mine your ass. I know. It's just, it's crazy. You gotta see him. I mean, and he's he, the most, he's, this is him, ready? Uh, instead of action and, you know, cut, he goes, okay, talk, do your lines, whatever they are. <laughs> go. And then, he, and then at the cut is like, 
All right, enough, enough, enough. Okay, that's good. Let's go. Okay. You're like, dude, this guy's on vibe. This guy's the coolest, chill right. dude I've ever saw. And, and he does 85. the music for this stuff. And he does and, like, it's amazing. And you want to know what the fun part was? Is I play Christopher Walken's bodyguard in Jersey Boys. You know, that's the, the movie we just did. And Clint Eastwood was walking around going, can I have more cowbell to walk in? And I'm going, look at this, dude. I'm in the middle of it. And he's like busting his chops all every day. He got more cowbell. And this is Clint Eastwood imitating, you know, Christopher Walken. Now, you said about Walken. Now, I also saw you were in Suicide Kings. That's what, that's what I was going to get to next. Because I okay. love that movie. I think to me that's one of the most underrated movies. Such Jay Moore is great. And just it's just, it's such an underrated movie. Well, that's and, uh, where my story. Are you, are you, are you, are you're the guy with the shoes. Yeah, but this is that's where my story okay. was going. What I just told you was that. Well, did you know Christopher before that? No, I didn't okay. know any. I knew the writer, Wayne, 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 Wayne Rice. Okay. Right? And he brought me in. I knew the guy for years. He was like, Louie, I want you to be in this movie. I want you to play. There was two roles. The two guys, uh, Brad Garrett ended up playing the other guy. The other guy's my partner. I did four movies with him. And they instead of hiring me, the director wanted Brad Garrett. So I was pretty, you know, it's okay. The guy's a big star. So I, there was no room. There was no nowhere for me in the movie. Okay? The writer's like, Louie, would you come in one day? You'll sit with Dennis Leary in the car. He has like pages of monologues. You just say, yeah, you know, yeah, boss, you know, in the car. I'm like, sure. You know, this is why I tell people, you never look at what's there. You always think of what you can make of it. You know, I try to tell every actor that. They look at the script. Oh, I don't have a lot of lines. Don't matter. Show up. Show up with enthusiasm. Show up. And, and you never know what can happen. And this is the biggest point of what I mean by that. I did this. I, did, I, I show up. The guy's like, do it. I had no lines. I show up to one day to work with Dennis Leary in this movie. Dennis Leary gets to the set. He goes, I'm not going to say all these lines. He had pages of monologues. And I was putting, yeah, every five pages. Yeah, I go, yeah. He crumples it. He throws it out. He goes, I'm just going to improvise with this guy. That's what he says. I'm like, holy shit. I don't even know the guy. He's right. the nicest guy ever. Nicest I, I, guy I, I, ever. Dennis I opened Leary. for him doing stand-up, and he was the nicest, Love most him. humble guy. Dude, I seen him years ago. After this, this is like a few years ago. Louie, oh my, my kids want to meet you. They're big fans of yours. Hugging me. And I was like. It's crazy. How do you remember me? <laughs> Worked one day with the guy. I mean, this is a gentleman, you know, bringing over his family. You know, they were fans of Sopranos, I guess, but the coolest dude. Anyway, anyway, he's like, I'm going to improvise. We get in the car, me and him, on a, on a pulley, and we drive around the block, and he starts improvising. We just start going back and forth, right? Now, I went from no scenes, one scene in that movie with no lines, to they put all the stuff me and Dennis Leary improvised, and now I'm in seven, eight scenes in the movie. You get what I'm saying? Right. And I'm like, when I saw the movie, I was like, holy shit. I was actually in the movie more than the role that I would have had. Okay. If I would have got the bigger role. See, it works like that sometimes. So that's what I'm saying. I showed up with no lines, but I showed up with enthusiasm. I, every job I do, if I, you, you get me, you're getting, a, you're getting me. You're getting, I'm, not, you know, I'm never going to show up quiet and not happy. If I take a job, that means I'm, I'm going to show up at 100%. I always want to throw touchdowns. You know? I always want to go. Even if it's one line, I always want to, you know what I'm saying? That's just my energy. And it worked out because <clears throat> that movie, Christopher Walken was in. His wife is George Ann Walken. You know who she is? No, she's a casting director for Sopranos, okay. for Entourage, for the biggest movies. She's one of the biggest casting directors in the business. She saw me in Suicide Kings, and she's like, oh my God, I love him. I want to, is he around for Sopranos? This is the first season of Sopranos. And I was like, and I was actually got a, that after Easy Streets in 1998, I finally got my TV break. Fantasy Island? Yeah, with Malcolm McDowell. Me and Malcolm McDowell and Edward Hibbert. 
and made dynamic. We now, did, you, did you watch Fantasy Island as a kid? Yeah, of okay. course. Everyone watched it. It was Everyone a great show. It. It was like, yeah. Engelhurt, uh, I saw one with Tom Jones driving on a horse, and I was like, man, Tom Jones is the coolest guy ever. <laughs> I used to love that show. It was like a fantasy. Now, I'm playing Tattoo on the show, basically. Malcolm's Mr. Rook, and I'm like the cow guy, you know? So it's like, no, that, wait, what's that? Where'd you shoot that at? Hawaii. Okay, so that Hawaii. must have been great. You're getting paid. You're going yeah, to Hawaii. It was good. Hawaii's a great place. The people there are great. Every, you know, it's, it was a great. But being pulled out from LA, it's kind of a whole different thing. You know, when you get in here and you're working. And, I mean, they like, they could have shot it here and it would have saved them hundreds of millions and we'd probably still be on the air. Right. You know, but Hawaii was a beautiful place. The people are great. The people in Hawaii are great. It's like being in the Bronx, all family oriented. All they do is eat and ha- you know, it's kind of a great environment, Hawaii. You know, but I'm more of like, you know, New York kind of guy moving to Hawaii. It was like pulling, you know, going back. And, right. You know, everything. So anyway, my first break was the easy streets. After that, I ended up getting after 93, six years would be 98, five years. I ended up getting Fantasy Island, my first show, you know, and moved to Hawaii, shot that show. The show got canceled. And I was kind of like, oh, crap. You know, it was kind of, you know, my first show making money and living it got canceled. That's when you think the end of the world's about to happen. That's when everything opens up. It's always happened in my career that way. And when everything looks worst, the next day it gets as best as it's ever been. And that's my whole career is like that. So I leave Fantasy Island. I leave a failing show, right? You think it's the worst thing ever. I go to New York to visit my mother for the holidays. Georgianne Walken hears I'm in New York. And immediately calls me in for the second season of Sopranos. Okay. Now, were you familiar with the first season? Of course. Who okay. ain't? Sopranos. It was like- you know, I know. Everyone watched it, but everyone. it's funny. My uh, brother and his uh, wife, before she passed, one of the, the Sopranos wardrobe person, Julia Prosca, was in their wedding party. Oh, wow. Yeah. So so anyway, so I, I, I go to New York, go visit my mom. You know, you're depressed. You're thinking, wow, end of the world. My phone just got canceled. I suck. You know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> Day later- I'm on The Sopranos. Biggest show in the world at the right. time because the second season was like, everyone is expecting it. And I ended up going from a failing show to the biggest show ever made on TV, basically. Now, after that, when, you, when you're on that, did people start recognizing, I mean, did people oh recognize you before, but after that, they probably just recognized you all the time. Uh, even till today. Okay. This is 10 years later. People still go nuts for Sopranos in 24. And Entourage, you know, Entourage too. I even though I only did a few episodes. It's just people follow that stuff. Oh my God. I mean, between Sopranos and 24, there's probably 50 million people out there that I talk to almost on a daily basis for the last 10 years. Everyone. And I love it because for people to remember your characters 10 years ago on a show and still quote your lines and still get so pumped up when they see you, that's such a that's a respect to the audience, people, because for following and being so dedicated and to the actor for making it so memorable. Well, it's funny how those, those fans are so involved in a show. Say that Robert Picardo was on. And he said when he did Star Trek Voyager, he said it was weird because those fans, not only did they, they watch oh. you because you're in a show, but they follow your whole career. Then they go back and, and they go, follow you yeah, for 30 years. Yeah, and you they go, this guy's Yeah, they, they sit there and it's crazy. Wow. Same with the, you're the, fan, the fans. You know, Sopranos is Tyson. Now, what happened with the Sopranos? So anyway, you you run for two years, a year? No, I was on for a year. So I went in, I, met, I read, and I read, and I knew Gandolfini before Sopranos. We used I, to hang out. He was the greatest guy ever, man. And uh, when I went in to read for the Sopranos, I mean, I literally got into New York. The next day, they were like, he's in New York, and you haven't come down for an audition? I was like, wow, great, this is great. Your mom's like, stay home and eat dinner. I haven't seen yeah. you. No, mom, I got to go right, out there. I gotta stay go home and eat. Eat. Manja, manja. I made this dinner. <laughs> I made the brajuta. Right. <laughs> so anyway... Long story short, I go in, 
Uh, I auditioned Gandolfini. I was supposed to be reading with Pussy, you know, Vinny Pastore. Right. That was the, you know, it was the cop thing, you know, with me and Vinny. And Gandolfini's like, I'm going to read with them. It was me, David Chase, and two of the producers in the room. And actually, two of the producers were friends with the people from I did the show in Hawaii, and they knew him. So they kind of they were like, Yeah, Louis a great guy. Well, they put the nice words. So when I went, I did. They, I already knew them a little bit. David Chase is in the room. Gandolfini's like, I'm going to read with them. Reads with me. He's like. Okay, you're done. This is Gandolfini now. Not even the king. Right. And I'm like, oh, you sure? I'll do it. He goes, no, no, Louis, you're great. Don't worry about it. And he turns to David J. He goes, how can you hire this guy? He's great. That's exactly what he said. Next day, I didn't even, not even next day, I left the office, got my car, and they hired me. So just when you think the world is ending, I got canceled off a big show in Hawaii. You go to New York, I'm on the biggest show in TV history. Right. You didn't know at the time, but it actually was. And- you know, and that was because of the easy, uh, the Suicide Kings role. Right, okay. I went in, Georgianne loved me, and she kept pushing for me to get on the show. So one day I went in to do nothing on a show, on a movie, got all those scenes in with Dennis Leary. They actually wrote a movie for me and Leary from those scenes. Live Entertainment bought it, but it got bought out so they didn't make the movie. The writer sold a script for me and Dennis Leary to, 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 to make those roles into a movie. Okay. So... One day, No Lines turns into that movie, making make it a pretty big deal for me. Turns into a show like The Sopranos because I had fans from the casting people, basically, you know? So you just never know. And, and that's how that started out, you know? And then after Sopranos was done, I did a few other shows. Oliver Bean, a little show here, a couple of pilots here. But then I met Joel Surnow. He calls me in. You know you know who Joel Surnow is? I know the name. He's the executive producer, creator of 24. Okay. And a couple of years afterwards, he calls me in. And he's like, hey, Louie. He goes, I, uh, now Sopranos was only supposed to be one episode, two episodes for me. It ended that up happens being, so much. People always say it. It's, you're supposed to come in for one, and if they like you, they'll just keep point. putting you in. They'll Every say, show I've been on, it's supposed to be one or two episodes, turns into seasons. You show up, like I tell you the first time, like I did on Suicide Kings, you show up with enthusiasm, you show up positive, you show up ready to hit home runs and throw touchdowns, you'll get in, you'll get it. You know, if you show up going, I'm not getting my money, I'm not doing this, I'm not a regular, you start, it starts to show in your work. And every show I go on, Sopranos was supposed to be one episode, turns into the whole season. So Joe calls me and says, hey, man, I'm a huge fan of yours from Sopranos. I just watched your DVDs and stuff because I want to put you on my show. You know, it's probably going to be one or two episodes, you know, and we'll see how it goes from there. I did 48 episodes. That was 24. Yeah. Now, was that were you there from the beginning? I was there from the fourth and fifth season. Okay, because Joanne was a big fan, and she she liked your character. She said, <laughs> when you die, everyone's like, I, I've been reading some of your stuff, like some of your, like people put things, like, oh, like one of the best, like one of the characters, one of the characters. Tele- television episodes. Yeah, they said one of the characters that always sits there and... That the, most people like were upset. Still, you know, it's like they sit still. there and they go, "Man, let me tell you something." I get, I get this up until yesterday. Big dude, it ain't even just like it isn't even like Soprano fans are more like, "Hey, you fucking rat, you kill right. pussy." I'm like, "No, I'm the cop. Right. Pussy's a drug dealer, <laughs> rat, beating people over the head with a hammer, selling heroin, and I'm the bad guy." So that's the Soprano fans, which I love because they're so. You could go be in Iowa. Right. You'll be in the market. Like, hey, y'all, fucking rat. I'm like, well, you're in Iowa. How do you even know the fucking Soprano? What do you even know what a rat is? You know? It don't matter, dude, where you are. In the country, it doesn't matter. People are Soprano fans, and they hate me because I'm the cop, right? Right. 
but which is funny. They hate you because you're you're yeah. You're, well, I always say I, that's, that's a, a messed up country I, we live in. I always say that about like the AMC shows, and I love Breaking Bad and I love Mad Men. But when you break it down, Walter White was a murdering drug dealer, yeah. and Don Draper is a wife. He cheats on his wife. He's a drunk, and he's an and, they love and, and he's an identity thief. And, and people, <laughs> oh, we love you. It's like the right. Sopranos. They love They're him. all criminals, but you love, love them. You're like, we don't want that cop. Good, whack the cop. Whack right, the cop. Right, you know? Everyone's rooting for the bad guy. You know, I think people are so sick of our society of law and being told what to do that they it's like this is their chance to rebel exactly you know and uh what were we saying no, we were talking about uh with 24 hour, big guys come up oh, to you. So it don't matter it's not just one group it's big dudes kids old young every every race creed color every nash every nationality is like oh my god i'm so sorry can i just i'm sorry you died this is like even big guys like it isn't just like a i'm like wow man it re- this character really touched people you know, I could I, when I started doing press for this, I consider myself like the adopted child uh, around the world. When I went to Japan, it was almost insane. They were lining up hundred deep to take pictures. And this is after you died or during the series? After I died. So people were just all wanting to get a picture. Yeah, of you. I mean it was crazy, and everyone loved. It. I still you go to my Twitter, I still get people going, "We miss you, Edgar. We love you." It's like, dude, it was seven years ago, you know. But I love it because the twenty four fans are more. Like emotional about the situation, you know. Soprano fans are more you fucking eh, and the twenty four fans are like, oh my god, man, I love you. Even guys though, like big dudes, are like can I give you a hug? You know, it isn't just like you know. It's like that. That the power of Edgar's character was was astronomical, and I give that, you know, a lot to the writers because they kept writing for me. They just kept writing for me. It's like they had twenty actors on a show, and Howard Gordon and Joel Cernow and you know all these writers were just kept writing for me. I mean, you don't get, you know, you don't, you don't understand when you're on a show, there's 20 actors, everyone gets a piece, and right. whoever's the strongest characters move forward. Just the way it is. And they just kept writing for me and writing for me and just making my character likable and lovable. I guess my personality and their writing was a 50-50 split. And they're, they, I mean, those are the, I would say 24 writers had to be the best writers like in TV because to keep up minute to minute, second to second, even if some of the stuff was exaggerated, oh, you get all these people, you know, oh yeah, Kiefer could do this. It's like a TV show, dude. It's not real, first of all. Second of all, <clears throat> to keep a show going like that, on pace, a same premise for eight years is, is insane. Now you came in in the second season. Fourth. Fourth, okay, so Fourth it was. It already had a lot of, ste- it was yeah, a big popular it wasn't, show. It wasn't then. as big though. It was like a pretty, it was like a kind of a culty show, but the ratings weren't astronomical. When we came on the fourth and fifth season, that's the only season they won an Emmy was the okay. fifth season. Now, of all the years they've been on. Did you go to the Emmys? Yeah, I was on stage with the Emmys. And, yep. you, and you wanna know what's funny? We're on stage and we got an Emmy and it's like best show, we, you know, we're all of us are on stage and who's in front of me? Gandolfini sitting down. So it's kind of like, why? You know, this guy put me on this show. It kind of helped me get on 24. And he's like in, in the front audience. And I'm on stage at the Emmys. We're all standing there. And it's like, and he's like clapping, you know. It's kind of like, that's a great moment, you know. Because the guy, basically, the reason I'm here getting on stage for a whole nother show is because of him. Right. He, he made them, not made them, but he suggested I be on, I was I get on Sopranos. You know, and that was another thing. Look at look how good that turned out. I did one. I thought one show. I turned out to another. You get on there. You pull up. You show up. You show up enthusiastic, and look what happened. I ended up being I have a great role on that show. But it's kind of surreal. You're, you're on stage at the Emmys, and and, and you, the guy who kind of started it for you sitting in front of you with his own show clapping. We beat them out for best series. Now, when you sit there when you're at the Emmys now, because and you think you know, just you're a kid who was watching movies in you know the Bronx when he was 14, and now you're in the Emmys. 
and you're sitting there and you know you you were bummed about the show when uh, Fantasy Island got canceled. Right. Now you're sitting there on a part of two shows that are very popular in television history, and later Entourage, three shows. But when you're sitting there. Are you sitting there just going, are you going, I want to win, I want to win, I want to win? Or are you just like, I can't believe I'm here? Are you just in awe? I can't all? believe you're there. It's surreal. You're sitting there. You know, first of all, I'm not a big Emmys guy. You know, I'm not in the tuxedo and I don't like all the attention like that. You know, I'm more of like a regular guy right. who likes to sit around. And sort of, I actually left the first year at the Emmys. I was there because it was a little boring. You're sitting there for six hours. You know, and the second they said... You didn't win. I jumped up and I was left. I took my tuxedo <laughs> off in the limo. You know, I'm more of like a regular guy, you know? But I heard I, the gift baskets are good. Yeah. Gift baskets are great everywhere. Sundance, there. <laughs> well, what's some of the Emmy stuff? Oh, my I, God. I've heard, I, I know someone who wrote for the Oscars. and they I'll say the coolest she, thing. Well, the Oscar girl said, she goes, we had to stop, we had to stop making, you know, they were counting that as our income. They couldn't do it no more, And yeah. they said, and ridiculous. then you're sitting there going, we got to pay taxes on this 70, it's like, I don't want a yeah. $60,000 no, Let me tell you the okay, best, the best, the best, one of the best things that ever happened it wasn't an oscar it was at sundance right okay. and I'm, I'm, I'm being interviewed and these people come over to me right from xbox and they're like oh my god can we get an interview with you today's bill gates's birthday he's a humongous fan of yours i was like you're kidding me i guess because i was a you know the computer guy right. you know? they're like just say happy birthday bill gates please he will go nuts. And I'm sitting there going, is this bullshit? You know, is this bullshit? <laughs> Am I being punked? <laughs> I go, happy birthday, Bill Gates. You're the best. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Bro, this is before the launch of Xbox. There was big anticipation when it was like about to come out. And it's like, yeah, big Xbox. A month after I did that, I get a, a, a thing, a package the size of this chair. And I go, what is it? And they're like, Bill Gates sent this to you. It was at the Xbox before it was released. With wow. two joysticks, five games. I'm like... They're like, Bill Gates went nuts for you saying happy birthday to him. So he sent me this whole, ex I mean, I, and I don't even, you know, I was like, holy shit. I just shipped it off to my nephews in New York, you That's know? funny. It was like before, that was kind of a cool moment to have Bill Gates oh, yeah. sending me like Xboxes. I mean, you know, I had John McCain come up to me and call me Edgar for 20 minutes. And I'm like, I'm Louis, Louis Lombardi. He's like, okay, Edgar. <laughs> I cried when you died. He was the sweetest man ever, but kept calling me Edgar. I was like, okay, I'm Edgar. Whatever you want to call me, uh, John. You know, he was a nice. But Sherry Lansing and uh, and Bill Friedkin at the games. I mean, there were some people that were such fans of it. Not just, you know, I'm talking in industry people. Like Bill, like Bill Friedkin and Sherry Lansing. Sherry Lansing, I heard, I, she told me. She took me around the whole arena. When I went to a Clippers game, she walked me around like I was her kid. It was this most, it was like, she was so sweet. She's like, I called, Bill Friedkin, when she went to the bathroom, goes, Louie, she called Fox when you died and gave and railed into them. You know, she, you know Sherry Lance? Yeah, yeah, huge, huge. She she was walking me around, everybody, this is Louie, this is Louis. Bill Friedkin's like, Louie, don't get nervous, he was the coolest. <laughs> and I was like sitting at the game, like being marched around the arena by Sherry Lansing, and I'm like, wow, and she was a huge fan, you know, even Billy Crystal, who I had known for years, so it's kind of like these people in the industry are like, wow, can we get a picture with you? And I'm like, holy shit, I mean. Well, it's, yeah, it's crazy, and it's, and it's probably because they liked you so much, and you died, and people don't want to see someone leave. Right. I, you, I read your quote on IMDb that they, they, you knew they were going to kill you when they said, yeah. What was that? When, when was, Howard Gordon was like, can we talk to you a minute? <laughs> you know, and I've seen that before. You know, I was in the, I was like in the past going, ah, oh, this poor guy's dying. Uh, Joe, Joe, can we talk to you a minute? And, and I'm watching it going, oh, this guy's dying. When they did it to me, I'm like, uh-oh, the noose is around the neck, you know? I'm like, I don't want to go to the lunchroom. I don't want to go. Can I stay out here? Like, it ain't going to change, Edgar. So, but you know what? I, you know, I kind of think that that was one of the things on TV where, it kind of like, 
with the killing of Edgar kind of turned people off. It didn't shock people. Like, most of their killing shocked people. When they killed Edgar, I think people felt genuinely bad, and a lot of viewers left the show. Okay. They said they were going to. They, they, even Howard was like, Louis, wow, we had, to, we had to get, like, security, death threat. We're getting threats. Even that prison. Really? Yeah. They were like, that was the worst thing we did because people really got turned off. A lot of the viewers left, you know? They were really sad when Edgar died, you know? And, and you know, and it, it was just, I think it was kind of a hurt moment for the show, where, you know, after that, the show really didn't pick up steam anymore, you know? You didn't even, re who were the last two seasons of the characters? Right. You don't remember, you know? And I think they realized that, you know, the audience definitely realized that they were, I was getting fan mail up from everywhere going, we're not watching the show anymore, and the ratings had dropped. From like 16, And they can't bring you back because right. some shows they can say like if it's a soap opera, right. oh, he, he escaped right. to an island and he blew up. Here, I, and you I, died and they can't bring you back. And I think, because I, I didn't see it, but the way Joanne said it, it was a very touching, touching episode. So it's different if, if someone dies on a show and you don't really hear about it or right. like the Sopranos if someone gets whacked but this because people liked you they and you were a nice Edgar. guy and they made it so dramatic that they right. were like what the hell's going but on but do you know why I think people loved Edgar so much the first season I saved my mom okay I was always with my mom, right? Did you remember? Yeah. Mom, mom, no. And then and then I then they told me, if you go to save your mom, we're gonna have you arrested. You get back there and fix this stuff. And I kinda saved the world at the end. I shut the reactors down, you know, on the computer. So I'm like the hero I'm like the, the anti hero, like 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 uh, what's his name? Uh Kiefer Sutherland, who's a great guy. He's like the hero. Everyone expects everyone looks at him and goes, Oh, it's like Superman. But if you see a guy like me, who's your next door neighbor, doing it with his brain and doing it more like that, everyone believes that, that can be that can be them. Right. You know, no one's ever going to go, I'm going to be like, you know. So I was kind of like, when they killed me, it was almost like killing a puppy. People were like, oh my God. I was going to say that. It's like, he's it's trying like to save his mom. He saves the world. You're all giving him sh you know, shit while they're doing it. You're going to arrest him. You're going to do this. And people felt so bad for me. And, you know, most of the season, I walked around crying. <laughs> Am I right? Oh, my mom. You know, my mom. You know, yeah, you do something like that. It's the whole season. So my mom died. It was one day. I had to, you know, be sad the whole entire season. So people really felt bad. And every time I tried to do something, people would be like, shut up, Edgar. You know? And people felt so bad that I was so beaten down that when I died, I, I, I almost considered it to like killing a dog, a puppy dog. People would go, why did you do that? You know? And that's what my character was. People kind of were like, you know, they, 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 they really felt bad. And this is up until now. And then, you know what's weird is, uh, and what year was that? That they killed you off. 2006, maybe? Okay, that's funny, because like Facebook and all wasn't as big then. Now, I could imagine, like if that happened oh now, your Twitter account would be blown, which is, what is your Twitter? Louis Lombardi, at Louis Lombardi. That would be blown through, I mean, you would get blown yeah. through the roof how many tweets you would have gotten. Let me People tell you going, something. oh my God, I mean, if after, after that episode, what I you would have been like, that, you know when you check your right. ad thing, you'd be like, what the hell is going on? I can't, I can't respond to all these. But I have to tell you what I did get, because I had a website. I had a you know had my website regular website and I got hundred I don't know how many emails because people could email me right from my site lewislombardi.com right people were just emailing me and I, instead of getting it on Facebook I'd gotten it on emails which emails are a lot more uh it takes more time than some of the emails so that's right. a lot more sincere because oh Facebook you just write and tweet right. it, but that must they been... were going to my site and go, sending me I, I can't even tell you how much how many emails I couldn't even, I mean. That, I, it was insane. It was insane. And people were so sweet. They said, we're not going to watch the show. Even Peter Ligori, who was the president of Fox at the time, was like, you know, wow, we didn't want you killed. You know, it was a creative decision. You know, we, you know, we, they thought it was going to be good for the show. It ended up kind of being hurt, hurt, hurtful, for, hurt for the show, you know. And I think those guys are geniuses, man. They did that, you know, even the whole writing of the show for all those years. And, you know, 
It, it is what it is, you know. Were you bummed personally? Of when course I, ended, I, was I mean, because you're sitting there because it's you're leaving the show, and I'm sure you're there for all those episodes. So you could probably get close to the cast and the crew. Yeah, but just being on a great, great, great show with great writers and and all the actors. I mean, the, the show was just a quality show. I mean, those writers, like I said, are probably the best writers in TV. I mean, to keep that show up for eight years with the same premise, really? How are you not getting bored? You watch a show, you see the same thing after eight years, you're like, oh, it's boring, or that happened. But that show, people just were so into it, you know? So that gets done. And now, now how did Entourage come? Because you knew Rob? Is that how it happened? Or how? Because no, Entourage, happened once I'm... again, you're getting on a, a huge series yeah. with a, a cult following, which I think those fans are, are the probably the, the best fans because, well, first of all, yeah, like with... This is good follow. I mean, Sopranos and Entourage. You have to have HBO. Right. So you're already you're already sitting there. And like for me, the only reason I keep HBO on Showtime is because I don't have of, HBO of the TV Showtime, shows. Yeah. That's the only reason, though. Yeah. I mean, the movies. I don't. I you know. It, I don't watch the movies. They're all whatever. Right. You know. That's why you have Netflix. But but for Entourage, how did Entourage come around? Well, I knew Rob and Doug for 20 years. You okay. know, and we used to hang out with Doug 20 years ago. And Doug's the man. Doug Allen. Right. I mean, I go out to eat with him. You know, once saw in a, while a picture. Now. He went out for sushi the other day with yeah, him. Yeah, with dim sum. He goes. Dim sum, to, okay. we, we go for dim sum. You know, we. He's the best. Let me tell you something. He's one of the most Hollywood, non-Hollywood guys. Like Hollywood, meaning he's in the business majorly, but he's still like one of the most down-to-earth kind of cool dudes ever. Now, how did you know him? Twenty years ago, but just from friends. from Sundance or Rob from Weiss actors? was his buddy. Okay. Went to school together. Him and Rob Weiss, and back at Sundance, you know, after we got back, we came out here. You know, Doug was a writer, making independent movies and writing stuff, and you know, Rob, Doug has been around for a long time. You know, and uh, and as I was doing 24, they were trying to squeak me on episodes, you know, but 24, I was so on the show, you know, you're working 15 hours a day, five days a week, eight months out of the year. It's not just like you show up and you leave with that show. You know, I was, you're on a big part of it. So they were trying to squeeze me on, and when I got done, they kind of put me on one, two, I did like three of them, I think. And, uh... Turn out to be another character. People go crazy everywhere I go. I'm on three episodes of a show. People are like, "Cousin Ronnie, get the jersey, Sandy Koufax," and I'm like, "That's cool," you know. Oh, you know what? I have to say one thing. I absolutely love are the fans that I deal with all the time. Sopranos, Twenty Four, Entourage, even the movies. And it's like that those three TV shows. People believe that you're that character. It's hysterical, you know. And and this, if they believe you that much and they love you that much, I mean, you just appreciate it. Right. I love the fans. I love them. I'm because I am one of them. I'm just I'm not like some actor who sits in his house and with a smoking jacket, smoking a pipe. I'm sitting there with my sweatpants on, making pizzas for everybody, you know. And that's the way I'll be forever. And Doug, Doug is actually a food guy. Doug Allen. Oh man, that guy is the biggest foodie. Foodie, every he's always somewhere eating, somewhere cool, putting his pictures up of food stuff. I mean, See, that's cool. Doug is the best when it comes to food. Doug is the man. He's always where should I eat? He's always asking people's opinions on Facebook, and he's always posting up great places. You know, and I don't know, he's not, not not always fancy restaurants. He can be like in New Orleans eating a sandwich. Like, like he's always eating something cool, something some city somewhere. Yeah, I love watching Doug Ellen's uh, Facebook. It's pre- kind of cool. Now you, well, first of all, how did um? Jersey Boys come about because I, I saw I saw when you posted that and you showed your, your on Facebook you're out you're in a yeah. thing and I went in for I went in for a role one a lot of people went in for these two roles you know kind of these two guys in the movie you know one day in the movie and uh I I went in and I didn't hear nothing for like a month and uh, I I get a call a few weeks afterwards it's the producers of the movie. And they call my manager, and they're like, hey, we want to ask Louie, would he do this? We want to put him in as Christopher Walken's bodyguard in the movie. 
would he be interested? He not, you know, it might not be a big role. Might not, and we've all learned that from Suicide Kings and all the other movies they do. Right. You never know what's going to be. A big yeah, you're role. sitting there. Hey, it's a role. You never yeah. know. And working with Clint Eastwood and Christopher Walken, I'm like, oh, of course I'll do it. Are you kidding me? I mean, how often is that coming? So they they kind of wrote the role in there for me. They kind of wrote it in there for me, which was I'm having you know the biggest people like Clint Eastwood and these guys, the producers of the movie, writing me in a, a movie for that Christopher that, that Clint Eastwood's direct. I mean. I, how do you say no? And I was two weeks on the movie with them. Where'd you shoot it? Uh, all over LA, Pasadena, okay. Glendale, you know. But I mean, that's another moment in my career where it's just like, oh, I'll do it, of course. You know, what do you? If they were asking me, think you know, what do you do it? I mean, you know. So again, I went in for another role. I got that. But to call them up and say we're going to put write him in this movie, starring with Christopher Walken and you know being with Clint Eastwood, was kind of, even if it's not a major role in the movie, it's. It was a great time. I mean, one of the best jobs I've ever had. Now, you're saying about how the fans always notice you, like an entourage and stuff. What is one of the weirdest things? Because everyone has like a weird story of someone who either either a bad one and a good one. Has everyone been like a, a jerk to you? Yeah, just, Soprano just, fans. Really? Okay. All the time. Yeah, said, okay, you said that. All the time. But, I mean, one, one example that just went overboard to just be a oh, dick. Oh, all the time. And I, yeah, you, especially if you're, I don't really drink that much. I don't really go out. But you're out in a bar and people are drinking. Man, those Soprano fans are like, like, like you fucking arrested their nephew or brother you're like well dude it's some tv show fucking rat yelling out the car windows when you're in new york i'm like okay <laughs> hey well, what's but you know what makes me laugh about that is this person is actually psychotic enough to call me the fucking rat and and then how much how much is that person into it right you gotta cheer him you gotta go yeah i'm the rat <laughs> you know but i've had like you know the, the fbi stop me and come up to me from that oh still Still, and then when Twenty Four hit, really the FBI was like, "We're huge fans of yours." I mean, I got honored from uh, the Comptroller in New York City, uh, Thompson. Okay. Oh, it was me, Buscemi, the head of Lenox Hill Hospital, for like body of work as Italian American for not playing gangsters because I really never did in my career. I never played. I never Sopranos, the co- uh, even on, 20, on Fantasy Island. Most of my roles as a big guy, Italian American, everyone immediately assumes gangster, right? Hey, you play gangster in all those movies. I'm like, no, name one. I tell people that all the time. They're like, Sopranos. I go, uh, do you watch a show? Because I'm right. a cop. That's- and they're like, no, but you know big Italian. You're like, that's an ignorant statement, I tell people. So I kind of challenge people on that, you know? Because, if, uh, you know, I'm I, I, fortunate as, as an Italian-American, as a big guy, to never play gangsters. Not that you know anything's wrong about playing them, but I've never gone down that path. Not that it was a chosen path. That's the way people see me. You know, I mean, I'm getting hired by by biggest people on a gangster show to play a cop. Right. Obviously, they see something. It isn't me saying I'm not a gangster. When I did 24, it was the furthest thing from a gangster. A crying little mealy guy, you know, upset. And that was the furthest from a gangster, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's you know, a, these that's are my biggest roles. So, you know, you get a lot of people like the fans, especially the, hey, you're the gangster guy. You're in all those gangster movies. It's like, no, I really don't. Yes, you are. And I go, yeah, and they the, always need a career better than you. Say, yeah. First thing I say is name one. And the first thing out of their mouths every single time is Sopranos. And that's when I go, you probably don't watch a show because right. I'm a cop. Now, you're doing all this acting. You've been in all these roles. Now, now, what made you decide to go into your venture of the cooking products? Because I've seen, first of all, your, post, your pictures on Facebook. I don't put food pictures up on Facebook. I'm, I'm actually writing a cookbook because I have congestive heart failure. So I'm writing a low-sodium cookbook. And now that Joanne's out, I can finish it. I'm 115 recipes in. In other words, it. someone's here to do the work for you. No, no, no. I know, I'm 100, I'm 100, I'm 100, <laughs> but I'm 100, 
810 recipes into it. When I get to 125, then I'll do a forward to get my cardiologist. But I don't put pictures of food. And and what sucks is some people put pictures of food on Facebook that are just bullshit. Like they put a piece of toast. And it said, uh, but your uh, pictures look good. And then so I have make you, all that stuff. You, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You put, you put, it's not like you're putting like, hey, look, here's a picture of a salmon and a tomato. Well, anyone can cook salmon and tomato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so what made you decide? Because you said you're, you, you've all, have you always cooked? You know what? When I, yeah, I've always cooked since I'm 13. That's what I'm saying. It was either acting or cooking school growing okay. up, you know, because I was. I learned from all Italian women in my house how to cook. I've done been doing it since I'm 13, 14, maybe younger, cooking, you know? And that was always a passion. I was always thinking something I loved, you know? And uh, when I first got out here 20 years ago, we all shared a house, me and these four or five guys. You know, we all chipped in, we paid a rent. Right. You know, when we first got out here after Sundance, and these guys didn't know how to cook. They were all from New York, you know? And what I would do is I would take five bucks each from all the guys, and I would go to the store, and I started teaching them how to shop, I'm a big shop. I, I always I love do it. shopping. See, I won't. I won't take my girlfriend with me because I have my system. I told her. She goes, "Here's an happy early, early birthday present. Oh, you anyone can go shopping the by yourself." Means you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, no, because you sit there and you go. You know the vegetables. You know, so I go to Sprouts to get my vegetables, and I'll go oh, to good. Rouse. That's one of the best. Stores. Yeah, it's great, and yeah. I'll go to Rouse, and Sprouts has the best ahi, and that's on sale. I sh- I buy when it's on, what's on sale, like for fish. I go. Right. I can have any fish, but I'm not going to pay twelve ninety nine for ahi because I know next week it's going to be six ninety nine. Right. I'll enjoy right. a lot more than six ninety nine. I shop. I go to store to store. You know yeah. what they call that? A lot of time on your hands. Yeah. That's me. I'm like, wait, I'm going to go to Sprouts. I got nothing but, I got nine more hours before Sprouts bed. Let me go so shopping good. at Sprouts. It's so good. The vegetables yeah. are just, they're fresh and they're nice. Yeah, my girlfriend, I, I told, I turned her on to it uh, a few years ago. She didn't like it. Uh, she When she hears it, she's going to kill me. And when I, I turned her on to it and then all of a sudden she shops there every day and tells me how great it is. I'm like, I told you this three, four, three years ago when we first started going out. I'm like, this is what I, th- you know, Sprouts is a great store, inexpensive. It's like the, it's like a lower end Whole Foods, right. but still same quality. Right, and right? it's great, and, and the fish is nice, and the guys in Burbank, the fish guys are great, you know. It's great. like even it's where like, I live. Yeah, it's great. Just, beautiful good. places. So I'm one of these guys, I'm a shopper. So anyway, I would take all these guys to the store, I mean, it was like having your five sons with your little kids watching you, <laughs> and what happened was, we, I started cooking for everyone. I mean, like, the guys from the House of Pain were friends of mine, and Leanne Rhymes I used to cook for all the time at her house, I used to make a chicken palm, she would keep it in the refrigerator, and I would cook it all the time for her. That, that, how, uh, long was, how long ago Michael was that? Rappaport. I still got videos of me and Rappaport cooking 20 years ago at my house in, in, in Santa Monica. So they just knew you were like this, this yeah, cook, you're like this the, underground yeah, cook. Yeah, but none of these guys, besides like Leanne, were like famous. Okay. We were all starting out. This was 20 years. Michael Rappaport, we knew from Sundance 20 years ago. You know, so we would have this house. Everyone would come over, you know, get a case of beer, cook, you know, instead of going out. And this is this is how it really, everyone knew me from cooking. You know, everybody would just, I would cook for everybody and everyone knew me from cooking and, uh, you know, and there's guys that are friends of all their guys, like the investor in the company was like, hey, man, we know everyone loves your food. You know how you cook. We know how you'd be a perfect face for this product line. What you're interested in doing? And I said, yeah, let me test everything. Let me try it all out. And everything was great. Everything's from Italy. Everything is imp- everything is top quality. The pasta, the olive. I mean, everything. I was like, yeah, I want to do this. This is great. And uh, here we are today talking about it. You know, so it's another dream coming true for me. You know, acting. I've you know I've had a great career so far. You know. Now, this second part of my career is going to be a mixture of both things I love, food and movies. Now, after this, this product launches, and hopefully it'll, become, hopefully it'll be like the new Paul Newman, you know, it'll be yeah, the new thing. I hope so. Would you, wood, right? would you think of doing a cookbook? Have you ever oh, thought I'm, about it? I'm already doing that. I've been working on that for years. QVC, no. I want to go on QVC. I, want to, I, I have a pizza cookbook I'm going to do, and I'm going to do a stone, a pizza stone that I use. So I'm going to do like a package, like a pizza stone and a cookbook. That's what I'm working on now. I've been working on that before the food line was in development. Now, when you do the pizza stone, do you use the cornmeal or no? Because some people, yeah, sometimes people use it, it's too much. It's you know too what? Much. No, I love the cornmeal under it, 
but the, the the reason you don't use it, it might it burns the it burns. It burns under the pizza. Okay. Kind of burn it. You know what I'm saying? I love the cornmeal crust. If you, I guess if you're not in your kitchen, you don't want to start a fire, have smoke billowing out. You know, but it kind of burns the bottom of the pizza, you know, if you use cornmeal. You know, I like I like the cornmeal bottom, though. No, what's your best pizza you make? What, what, what did you make? 30 what, or 40. Like, but no, so like if, if, there was a rest, if there was a restaurant that said, you know, known for Lombardi's House of Pizza, known for this, what would you say would be your signature pizza? Wow, that's a tough one. It's like, it's like saying, which is your favorite kid? Okay. <laughs> No, seriously. I don't know if you go to my Facebook. Look at all my pizzas I make. I, make I see. Pizzas, I see. You know how Facebook is. You I'm, see every once in a while. Yeah, I make pizzas like uh, grilled cheese with bacon and tomato pizzas. Like my daughter likes that. She's seven. So, you know, like I make shrimp shrimp franchise pizza. I make. Oh, I mean, I, do you ever just? I make stuff that I just go in there and I decide. To me, a pizza crust is an edible dish. That's what I tell people. You can put people go, no, New York pizza. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you can put on a dish to eat, you can put on a pizza crust and just eat the whole thing. And I consider pizza crust that. I make pizzas. I make my own doughs in my house, and I kind of oil them with all my flavored oils. I use a truffle oil, and I seal them in the bags, and I freeze them. And what it does is it absorbs those flavors. So if you want one, if you want to just a, a, take a pizza crust out, you'll have a focaccia pizza crust. You could just put some seasoning. You don't have to put mozzarella gravy. It's like a, a seasoned doughs. That's what I kind of do. I kind of season my dough. So sometimes I'll make, I'll take a rosemary dough. I'll put a, uh, like a, a little Alfredo sauce, you know, with chicken, chives. I make a southern fried chicken pizza. Wow. I bake the chicken like I was telling you. I bake the chicken, kind of crispy chicken, chop it up. I use the country gravy. I use chives. It's like a fried chicken pizza. This is why I people hate go. Where do you think of these? I'm like, again, too much time. On but but no, but you're right though. A pizza can be like I, I had one, I had a pizza one time where it had a it had a cream cheese and capers and salmon. salmon yeah, salmon. it was well, that's great. Wolfgang Puck thing. But it was it was good. Yeah, it's like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. People go oh, New York pizza. You know how these New Yorkers are. You know, I'm one of them. <laughs> Wait, New so, York. New York pizza. Now, what, what would you say? What was your favorite pizzas in L.A.? You know, there's a place called Pizzerito, which is great. Pizzerito in the marina. There's a few of them. Great Sicilian pizza. Joe's is good. Joe has good Sicilian. Uh, what was the other? Uh, Upper Crust in Long Beach has good pizza. Okay. You know, uh, like I said, it, the only bad pizza is pizza that's, you know, I mean, people go, oh, this pizza sucks. I'm like, could any pizza really suck? Right. <laughs> it's cheese and dough, dude. I mean, how bad can pizzas be, you know? But like I said, I believe in creating. I My doughs are all flavored. I kind of make 20 at a time. I use them. You know, and I'll just, whatever I have in the refrigerator. I make one with just garlic and oil, no sauce, you know, with chicken and couple of different cheeses you know it's almost like a baked sandwich you know you don't always have to put mozzarella i mean or tomato you could use provolone you can use feta cheese right you know you can use any i make mixes of them you know and i'll, and I'll put them on you know you, you know especially if you just use garlic oil you know chicken grilled chicken you let's send this joanne so you know we can. provolone <laughs> you know provolone you use a, it's like a, it's like a baked chicken sandwich but it's a pizza use your creativity you know what I'm saying? What do you like to eat? Put it on the pizzas. Now, when's the food line going to launch? You know, in the next few weeks, we're going to launch, yeah. And it's you're called gonna, Louis Lombardi's? Go, yeah, you're going to be able to go to LombardiUSA.com. LombardiUSA, okay. Yeah, and you can check out all our stuff and what we have. And, you know, and uh, yeah, man, we have a great line. Everything is from Italy. Everything is top quality. Really, people go, what's the difference between your line and that line? I'm like, the difference is... Is there is no difference. We have top high quality product, and and that's what we that's what we pride on. It isn't me going, hey, I'm a celebrity. If it's it's it's, it's great because I'm an actor. You try the products, and you all sauce of vodka and a marinara are probably the best gravies I've ever eaten. Okay, 
I mean, I'm not saying that because my face is on it. I'm saying that because I use it every night. Right. I look at it. I go, wow, this is great. I make you, you know, I, I, I think it's a, one of the best sources on the market. And, 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 and I, all you have to do is buy it once and try it. And, and then you'll You don't like it, don't buy it again. Exactly. You love it, buy it every week. I want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, give all your information to the people. Give how they can get in touch with you, all that stuff. Uh, you can go to uh, my Facebook. is Lewis Lombardi. Lewis Lombardi, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Twitter at Lewis Lombardi. And the uh, website for the food is uh, LombardiUSA.com. LombardiUSA.com. And uh, LewisLombardi.com. I say it's I'm all over the place. I'm and like yeah, a cheap poor. Besides, uh, besides Jersey Boys, anything coming up soon? Yeah, Mob City. That's the okay. Frank Darabound oh, show. Oh, you're in that? Okay, great. Yeah, I did, I'm did. i a recurring role on the Frank Darabound show called Mob City, which is December 4th. I did like, I, again, I wanted to do one episode. I ended up doing the last four. There you go. I, uh, see that? See, yeah. Check it out. I want to thank you for coming on, Lewis. Thank you, Ch- follow them. Uh, people, follow me at Cooper Talk. At Cooper Talk. Uh, send me an email, Cooper at Indy100.com. Uh, I always like to hear what you're thinking. Go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Type in one word. That's uh, Cooper Talk, one word. And I have about, a, actually, after the next week, I'll have 200 episodes up there. And also, you can uh, send me an email. As I said, also go to my website, coopertalk.net. Uh, keep listening. You know, next week, we have uh, one of my guests is another Italian guy from back east, Peter Honorati, who is a character actor. has been around for a long time. And so, yeah, you guys have a happy Halloween. Don't drink and drive. Remember, drink your water. Eat your vegetables. Take your vitamins. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Have a wonderful weekend.